It is the Chicagoverse Unlimited podcast, featuring interviews with the premier artists and industry in the Chicago music community. My name is Haima Black. I host this podcast at DynastyPodcast.com. This week, Stavros Giannopoulos of the Atlas Moth. Here's how that sounds. Haima Black here for Dynasty Podcast, and I'm here with Stavros Giannopoulos. How are you doing, man, from the Atlas Moth? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Yeah. Dude, we've just been, like, kind of uh, catching up and, and shooting the shit about, like, music and comics and stuff for, like, an hour now. Because, you know, before we kind of talk about the Atlas Moth stuff, you and I, like, really go back quite a ways, right? Yeah. I mean, I was 16, you know? Because yeah. it, was, it wasn't even really Columbia College. It was we were like, in, like, the high school institute program at Columbia College, yeah. <laughs> right, so that was, you know, 1999 or something? Yeah. yeah. Dude, it was, it was like that summer of Britney Spears. The summer of <laughs> You and me, we had the yeah. summer of Britney Spears. It sounds so romantic. It's very do- it very, very much does. It wasn't as romantic as it might sound, though. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, no. We spent a lot of time in the ghetto. Yeah, yeah, at this, at this recording studio. Um, well, dude, I mean, it's crazy. There's a lot going on with you, and I kind of want to talk about, like, the new record and all this kind of stuff, but let's, let's kind of, like, look back a little bit, man, because since I have known you just for, like, such a long time, like, we go back, you know, looking back at the time when we were kind of like hanging out in class together when we were like 16, 1999 or whatever like did you know back then that you wanted to be in a band? I mean it seemed like you knew you wanted to do something in music but did you have kind of this idea of like you know I'm going to be in like a metal band I'm going to be doing something like this did you have the name? Kind of where were you then and how did it kind of lead to this? Well I mean I always wanted to but uh, I mean you know a lot of people you know you grow up you think you can do whatever you want you're going to be an astronaut or the president I'm not going to be. Which you were, both. Right. <laughs> you know, like I was never going to be an astronaut or president, but I always wanted to be in a band. But, I mean, it always seemed like kind of one of those things that, like, I'd dream big and, you know, shoot for the stars, land on the moon kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Never what I thought. And even what I am now isn't what I romanticized when I, when I first met you, what it would be like, you know. But, uh, you know, a relative equivalent, right? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's always been what I wanted to do. So it's nice to be able to do it at whatever level I can, you know. Kind of when did this really start to take shape for you where it went from being like kind of a daydream or like something that in your head you're like, yeah, that'd be cool to pursue versus like at what point did you just really start to realize like this is kind of my job. Like this is kind of who I am now and I've, I've actually secured this as being what I do. Well, I mean, as cheesy as it sounds, uh, I always go back when people ask me even like a relatively similar question, I always go to uh, American Beauty. Because there's that quote in that movie where, you know, to be successful, you have to project the image of success, right? Is that the Mattress King? It is the Mattress King. Dude, that's some profound shit, though, you know? It is, man. He knew what he was doing. He did, man. Look, he was on every fucking, you know, uh, bus stop bench in the entire sure. town, you know? Like, in every town USA. So, you know, I mean, uh, that was one thing, man. I'll tell you what, after we did our first EP, and uh, it started being like, oh, wait, people like our band. You know, uh, I was a dietitian at a hospital, <laughs> How about that, right? Yeah. And uh, I sat there and I was like, wait a minute. People like my four-song EP a lot. I'm going to quit my job and give myself no option. So from that point on, in like 2008, I was basically putting myself up against the wall, man. I had no job. I had no girlfriend. You know, <laughs> like fucking, I just went for it, you know? So, I, Dude, I hear that a lot from a lot of successful people where they're just like, you know what, man? Like some of them even know the date. Like they're just like... <laughs> You know, I just decided I'm doing this. There was no half measures. It was just like all or nothing. And they jump in the deep end without looking in, without even knowing if there's water in the pool. And, you know, I, I think that there's a lot to be said for just really going for it, not just taking the baby steps, but fully committing. Well, I mean, dude, like, uh, you know, someone once told me uh, plan B's are for people that don't believe in their plan A's. 
Yeah. And that's also another one of those profound little quotes. Or something. It's like, yeah, you know, if I don't have a plan B, what, what option is This has to work. It has to work, dude, yeah. you know? So I think that works. And I tell people that all the time. And it's like, now I look back at it, it was kind of insane and ballsy of a move, you know? Like, I think that's the only way to accomplish really amazing things is to not maybe even realize how difficult it's going to be or how crazy it is or what the odds are. Because if you know all those things going in, no rational person would ever do anything. But if you don't know how much work it's going to be, then you're like, okay, like, why not go do this thing? No, yeah, it's absolutely, man. If you know the fears and you know the things that you should be afraid of and you're not, you know, uh, it, it takes, a, a, you have to throw caution to the wind. Especially if it comes to, like, art at all or music or movies or whatever it might be. But there's so many, like, little things that don't, that you can't learn. You know, like anyone could be a successful plumber if they actually pay attention, they learn it, you know, but like you can't necessarily teach someone how to be a great artist or a right. great musician. I mean, it just comes. And some of the people, you know, especially after we talked about grunge for hours now, you know, yeah. like, I mean, like, you know, Kurt Cobain wasn't the best guitar player. He wrote no. great songs, right? You know, it kind of goes that way, you know. He had the presence. He was the best Kurt Cobain. He, was he wasn't a, the best musician. Right. He was the best Kurt Cobain he could be, you know, right. and that just happened to latch on, you know. So, like, when you think about it in that regard, there's really no, like, okay, I graduated high school. Now, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Well, I'm going to be a big rock musician. You don't go and take fucking, you don't get a bachelor's degree in being a fucking rock star. This is not how it fucking works, you know. It happens, and some people fucking it doesn't happen for until they break up and have a reunion tour, you know. Yeah, like, okay. yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is, you know. You kind of got to throw caution in the wind, but, you know, it, it worked so far, you know. How has it been, you know, operating as the Atlas Moth as an artist in Chicago? Because another thing we were kind of talking about a little bit before the mic turned on is that now a lot of artists are leaving Chicago, and you're still here. You're based out of Chicago. You travel a lot, but, like... Has Chicago been a good environment? Has it been a supportive environment? And is it different now than it was? I mean, I think when we were growing up, we, I mean, we talked about how uh, a lot of local shows would happen at Metro, and obviously that's gone and stuff. You know, I think when we came out, there was probably like four metal bands that were actually doing something in Chicago. You know, and it was easy to break into the scene because it was literally like, oh, hey, if you put us on the show, like, we totally have 50, 60 friends that are going to come see us play. You know, and that's, like, obviously a great way to start out. You have your friends come and see you, and then, you know, it gives you a little bit of legitimacy so you can do bigger things. You know, so coming from here gives you, if you ask me, you have a chip on our shoulder mm -hmm. because we're constantly number three. Mm -hmm. in everything so it's like you know like fuck LA and fuck New York like we're from Chicago fuck you you know I'm like you know how it goes man this town has like such like a we love everything that's ours mm -hmm. you know like we will literally go and tell somebody from New York to go fuck themselves if they talk about pizza right you know what I'm yeah, saying yeah. Like, and, it, and that pizza is just fucking garbage I can't I, get I into it I don't like it at all yeah. you know but yeah. I mean you know it is what it is you know I mean like it, it, I think we have like that little brother mentality where we're constantly fighting one of the big brothers mm -hmm. you know so I think that kind of gives you a little bit of like a yeah fuck you attitude which, we're one of those little dogs that doesn't know it's smaller and it's going up to all the bigger dogs and it's like no no no, no fuck you and the dogs are like what what are you doing man yeah, no, yeah we're a chihuahua in a pit bull pit you know what i'm saying like it's a, it's a brutal scenario but you know that gives you like a little bit of an edge man you know like and also like if you think about it, there's so much america in between new york and la and we we are the biggest in the middle of it you know yeah. so that helps you know like and it gives you an attitude an attitude that you know i think comes across in any band from here whether they're metal or indie or, it comes across in our music where we have something to prove you know, and uh, not, not uh, I, you know, like, I don't want the city to be known for Disturbed when it comes to metal, you know, or Mudvayne or some dumb shit. You know? Well, I think now Chicago's known for, like, like Chance. Yeah. You know, you yeah, say yeah. Chicago to people now, and Chance is what they think of. And I think that the, the Disturbed Chief era, just, yeah, Chief Keep, yeah. the Disturbed era, I mean, it wasn't really that long ago, but it feels like a long time ago. It feels like 
so separated from where we are now. Dude, I mean, I honestly think that if a band like Disturbed tried to come out of Chicago right now, even like, you know, like even, uh, yeah, in, in the, how about this, like take Disturbed out of new metal, right? Like to say like in a mainstream rock, mm-hmm. like in that cheesy Nickelback, Disturbed, Godsmack rock, I don't think it would ever work. Yeah. I think this, this city is way too fucking proud to have something like that right now. It's yeah. just a different environment now, yeah. being in Chicago than late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, even the Smashing Pumpkins, what we talked about earlier, came out like with Gish, and it wasn't like, you know, disturbed kind of fucking like radio yeah. rock at all. It was definitely underground stuff, you know? Maybe it was like a momentary lapse of reason when Disturbed and all these other <laughs> terrible rock fans are coming out here. The end of the 90s was a weird time, early 2000s. It's like, a giant momentary lapse of reason on everybody's part. Nationwide. It was just kind of this, like, dead zone for rock radio. Yeah, and the 30-year-olds from We Were 18 were sitting there dressing in, like, bright orange cargo pants and, like, bleaching their tips blonde, man. Like, you know, like... The sugar rayification of America. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible, you know? Like, nowadays, like, guys like us are in our 30s, it's like, we're not having that, like, momentary lapse of reason where we're buying, like, parachute pants, you know? Like, thank God. You know? Yep. Like, yeah. You know, the new record from the Atlas Moth, it's called The Old Believer. Kind of how long was this in the works for you guys? Um, I wrote uh, my first riffs for it uh, the day we got out of the studio for our last record, which was uh, May of 2011. So yeah. it started then, and it, uh, it took us a long ass time to get anything uh, really happening with it, and then we came up from Europe last spring. And we spent six months just focusing on nothing but record, nothing but record. And then, are, you, are you a songwriter, or like, are you guys like one of the <laughs> bands that just, it just doesn't happen fast? Like, some of these bands can just turn something around in a week. Well, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> I, I rip everything apart. You know, I, I write. I think I've written about half of all of our records. At least, like, you know, they say that I don't want to sound egotistical, but it's like, you know, uh, half of the songs come from ideas that I bring. Right, you know, and then like we all, it's a very collaborative effort anyway. Like there's not like, oh, hey, I wrote all the guitar parts, play them. You know, right. I, I don't want to write all the guitar parts. It sounds like a lot of work, you know, but uh, everything's ripped apart. It gets fucking changed. All, every, for all of our stuff that we bring, it's just like a big melting pot, you know, so it does take a while to, nothing's just like, oh, here's your first chorus, first chorus, bridge, chorus, right. and, you know, it doesn't happen. Well, I mean, listening to the record, man, it's clear that there's a lot of dynamics at work. There's a lot of different time structures. There's a lot of different, like, song structures. It's not a Red Hot Chili Peppers record where it's, like, 12 songs that all sound the same. It's, like, every single song stands on its own and is this completely different piece of, of music and material, like, from each other. Yeah, I mean, uh, they all definitely get a lot of work put in. We don't have, like, those, like, oh, well, fuck it. We only have seven songs, you know? Like, that's like, kind of the beauty of, I guess, probably now being in a band. Uh, like, we don't have that. Like, oh, you have to have 54 minutes of music or 10 tracks, because that's a thing, you know? And we've never had to deal with it, luckily. So, you know, like, we just, you know, we don't write, like, 20 songs and pick the 10 best. Like, we, we write... You know, this record has 10 songs, we wrote 10 songs, and that was it. We focused on those 10 songs and made them the best they could be, you know? You know, something I see a lot now is that, you know, you guys are, I don't know if, like, you'd be comfortable with the word fashionable, but I see people refer to you guys a lot. You're a band that gets brought up a lot in conversation in terms of, like, heavier music. Um, I think that there's, like, a certain fashion now to metal. Has it kind of always been like that or is metal cooler now than it used to be and I'm using metal as like a very broad term you know I'll tell you this uh, metal is hipper 
it seems like it's it. hipper, and I use that word very particularly because it's cooler for a guy that likes, you know, like fucking the random indie rock fucking hot shit right now to like a metal band. You know, where when we were growing up, it wasn't. Like, if you it was not band, cool at all. Polarizing, dude. Like, you like metal? Like, oh, okay, you're one of those guys, you know? Like, now a scummy, shitty kid. Yeah, yeah, you had yeah, long totally. hair and you wore nothing but black. And You went to Rolling Stone Records. That's right. God, Rolling Stone Records. God bless that place, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that was the thing, man. Like, you were that dude, mm. you know? And, like, nowadays, you know, it, it, you go to metal show. At least, like, when I talk about metal, like, let's, it's like, let's like eliminate all things that are above like a bar level a Reggie's level like a 400 capacity venue level you know like Lamb of God Kill Switch Engage all this shit is out there in the fucking in, in a whole other world but, Mastodon yeah. right yeah like you would go to local smaller bar gigs like Reggie's Fireside blah blah it would be metal people mm-hmm. we all look the same we all have the same thing going on nowadays you go there and it's just it's a kind of a melting pot which is kind of cool I'm glad that it's like a little bit more accepted it feels a little bit more like an accessory now too. Also, yeah, I can't tell you how many times where it's like I'll go to a show and I'll be sitting there watching a band. There's a bunch of people hanging out at the bar having like social hour, you know, where I do kind of miss the camaraderie of being a metalhead. They're there to check in on Facebook and be like, no, 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 we're at this Mastodon show, man. We're into it. Yeah, yeah before it used to be like a badge of honor. You'd go to a metal show and you became friends with people. Mm-hmm. And like I would meet people and be friends with people that were at other metal shows, you know, that... That was the social networking. It was. was This makes us sound like old men, but... Yeah, we are old men, dude. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that was the social networking. There was no other way to find metal people, you know, or, like, have, like, that common interest. And, you know, now, you know, I mean, like, when when you have, like, these, like, Deaf Heavens or Paul Bears out there or whatever, like, those bands have, like, these broader audiences in, like, this, like, not necessarily broad, like, a Metallica scope, like, broad, like, a a bar scene scope where they're, like, bringing out... Deaf Heavens bringing out a bunch of people that, like, you know... Not metal, right? Which is yeah. cool, like, like good for them. I think that rules, you know. But it's definitely different than what I grew up with, you know. Do you guys feel like you get a lot of support? Because I see, like, you know, like I see, like, uh, you know, the record was premiered on Pitchfork yeah. and streamed on Pitchfork, which is again, I think, another thing that like uh, there was not always a time where like Chicago independent metal was going to get premiered on Pitchfork. Uh, how about Chicago independent music? Yeah, Period. yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been ignored for a long time, and. Even when we were coming on up, I think we were, like, right on the cusp of, like, something special here with metal, you know? Like, when we were coming up, like, not Nissium, who's now come and gone as band, was, like, really popping up on the radar, you know? And then there was, like, you know, Indian and, and uh, Sanford Parker, who records here a lot. And Russian Circles. Russian Circles, even. You know, like, all these bands were kind of really coming up right when we were, you know? And, like, that changed it. Pelican. It changed it. It put, like, a spotlight on the city. Whereas for a long time, I think we were living under, like, this umbrella that what came out of here was radio rock. You know, starting with the Pumpkins all the way through, you know, like, the Disturbs. Sure. Right? Yeah. Fall Out like, Boy, Rise Fall Against. Up. Yeah. We were Radio City. You know, we didn't have that underground scene, which I guess I could even get behind to a certain extent, you know? Like, even out this, like, take it out of, like, a scope of just a city, like, the suburbs was the underground scene, right? You know, like, how often did you go out to the suburbs to see shows? Like, I did a lot. And I don't feel like that's a thing as much now. Everything's kind of centralized in Chicago yeah. proper, by yeah. and large. Which is great, finally, yeah. I feel yeah. like. You know, I always felt kind of, like, left out. Like, I don't want to go out to, you know, Bumblefuck, Illinois to go see a metal show, you know? Like, that, and now it's not, not, not the case, you know? But it's interesting now because, like, and I know you travel a lot, so you can tell me if this is your experience. And, like, I go to a lot of, like, conferences, festivals, whatever, in, in other cities, not near as much as you're out 
But every time I bring up Chicago, now that I'm from Chicago, now that means something. Oh, yeah. People are aware of Russian circles. They're aware of Cruella. They're aware of Chief Key for Chance or like True. Smith Westerns or Orwell's. Now, Nick Common, you know, obviously Kanye, Lupe. Lupe. Yeah, now it's cool, I think, to be from Chicago when it really wasn't always kind of the case. Like, kind of what's the response when you guys are out on the road, you know, as Atlas Moth and you tell people you're a Chicago artist? I mean, dude, like, that's definitely a huge thing. People are like, oh, wow, Chicago, cool, which I always didn't feel like it was anything. You know, <laughs> like, now all of a sudden. Yeah, you know, like, I mean, growing up, like, we had what? Who to be proud of? The Pumpkins. Local H, and that's stretching sure. it, you know? Like, even Wilco, I guess, if you're like talking to a girl who's like, you know, go to so nice private school. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know? Like, we didn't have very much to be very proud of from here, you know? And I think nowadays, like, damn, dude, we've like, we've, we've uh, very much cemented our place in rock music, you know? And, and in music, period, sure. you know? Like, yeah. dude, I mean, like I said, like, there's an entire Vice series on Chicago hip hop, you know? Right. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, like, it fucking rules, dude. You know, and, and rightfully so, man. You know, like, right now, this place is a, it's a hotbed. Yeah. You know, it it's is. great, and it should be, you know. You know, something that was really interesting, I was reading an interview you did with uh, Jamie Ludwig, oh, yeah. who is awesome, friend of this podcast. She did it for Noisy, which really is just kicking ass in music journalism yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. It's and, uh, the editor is Fred Pissarro. Yeah. That he is the man. Yeah. I love that site. I love what they're doing. Um, shout out Noisy. Bring us on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's up, Noisy? But, you know, one of the things that really stood out is you were talking about how you don't want to be, you don't want the band and your, and your music and your work to be a fashionable fad, a trend. You yeah. want to have the longevity. You want to go after that, which I think is like, I always respect that a lot more than something that's Limp Bizkit, like from when we were growing up is a great example. I was something that was fucking huge for one minute and then never again. You can never revisit it. So like, kind of what's the value in your mind of, of being an artist, of, of the Atlas Moth and, and everything you do, having longevity and kind of being able to continue doing this long term. Well, you know, like, uh, we also brought up this another band we talked about before you started actually recording. So it was that Deftones, obviously huge to me. You, you know, are a fan as well. And, like, seeing a band like that go through the motions of never being as big as Lip Biscuit or Corn. Right. They never were. You know, people think, don't think about that, but they never were as big as those guys, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're still here doing this, man, you know? And, like, one of the things that I always say is, like, you know what, dude? I'd rather always play Metro for my entire fucking career than fucking be playing the Allstate Arena or whatever, the World Music Theater, whatever the fuck it's called nowadays, you know? Like, and then all of a sudden having to be like, oh, yeah, so now we're playing the Metro. Yeah, that sucks, man. You know, like, that would be the. I worst look ever. at you know you brought up local age. I look at local age and Scott Lucas is like a tremendous example of how to pursue longevity. Yeah, he keeps writing quality new music. He has his built-in fan base. He they know what the band is and what his music is, but yeah. he keeps reinventing it. And yeah, local age was never as big as like the Pumpkins. Yeah, but they were never chasing fads. There was never like the rap rock phase of local age or the EDM <laughs> yeah. phase of local age. They've always been themselves, and they've been able to continue doing this straightforward for this whole time. Yeah, dude, that that is more important than anything else. And you know, the other thing is too, man. Especially coming from a fan of such underground stuff for my entire life, dude. Like, fuck, dude, I just couldn't look myself in the face. You know, if I did something totally fucking sellout worthy, you know what I'm saying? And don't get me wrong, like, I sit here and I want to be accepted by a broader audience, but for what I'm doing, you know, I'm not trying to write towards a broader audience, right? You know, I want to continue to have our audience grow, but, you know, at the same time, like, I'd rather be able to do, you know, I'd rather sell out the empty bottle two nights in a row or, you know, whatever, Metro at all. Yeah, I'd rather do that for my entire career and be able to wake up in the morning and not hate myself. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, that's all I care about, dude. You know, at the end of the day, like, it'd be great. I think it'd be more depressing to be corn, where you were huge for, 
you know, a, what, five years, a gigantic fucking rock band. And then it's never coming back. Dude, it's never coming back. Yeah. They're playing Aragon. And Aragon's still an impressive feat. Right. You know? But it's just like, dude, that ain't 20,000 people at the Allstate Arena, man. You know? Like, so I mean, it is what it is, man. I'd rather, I'd rather be that guy that was consistent the entire time. You know, yeah. I'd rather be the guy that constantly did the, 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 was like definitely respectable all the way through, you know, as opposed to being that guy that's not, you know. I think especially like, again, to sound like an old man, but it's like, well, we are old men. Yeah, yeah, in this like very disposable age we live in of internet and Wi-Fi, everything is very disposable right now. Yeah. Everything has a really short shelf life and that's not a new idea, you know, like 15 minutes of fame, blah, blah, blah. But not a lot of people are thinking in terms of longevity. They're not thinking, like, how can I do this for 10 years? They're thinking, how can I get the most likes on Facebook today? I'll worry about next week, next week. Right. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, and I, I, I won't name names. Obviously, I know a lot of bands in this city. Right. I was hanging out with a band the other day, a uh, drummer of a band, and he was, talking about, uh, he was talking about how they just got signed to a bigger label. And, you know, like, it took me forever yeah, I mean, I was trying to get on a record label when I met you when I was 16. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was a totally ridiculous fucking dream at that point. But, you know, and I, I worked towards this this entire time. I didn't get signed until I was, like, what, 25, 24, some shit like that. I forget what the year was but or how old I was I in correlation with the year. But it's been a long time, man. These guys kind of came out, like, last year. They got signed to this label. And then, like, it's like, you know, you're lucky. Mm-hmm. You're lucky. Don't fucking treat it like you're not lucky, you know. And then he sits there and he tells you about how he has a five-year plan with this band. And I'm just like, huh? Like, five-year plan? Five years? I'm a, I'm, I've been in this band for eight. Yeah. And fucking a good three of them were fucking bullshit, you know? Like, it was a lot of work to get towards even a, a, a respectable plateau, you know? Like, and I'm still here eight years deep. I'm not where I want to be. What do you plan on accomplishing in five fucking years, you know? Like, and if that's the case, if you have a five-year plan, stop fucking playing music, you yeah. know? Like, I'm not going to stop after ten years, you know? I don't have a plan. Yeah. This is what I do, you know? No plan B. No plan B, dude. That's for fucking, that's for people who don't believe in the plan A, man. You yeah. know? So I'm still working on plan A. <laughs> well, you know, man, I'm really, like, I love the record. I've only gotten to listen to it, I think, three times all the way through. But I love that, like, intelligent, challenging, like, there's melody built into it, but it's not pandering. It's not, I mean, nothing about it is pandering. It's all really carefully crafted with a lot of thought. I love the record. It's called The Old Believer. Kind of, where does it go now? for you and for Atlas Moth now that the record's finally out. Well, you know, uh, I think that when we were doing this record, you know, and, and like, in all honesty, your reaction, because I've known you for so long, I know what kind of music you're into, like, this is exactly what we wanted. We wanted the guy that's not Mr. Underground Metal to be into the record. Like, because that's what the whole thing is, you know? Like, there's, I think being a metal, um, I don't hate to say the word metalhead. I feel like I'm at OzFest 99. <laughs> Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, Beavis and Butthead are metalheads. I'm not a fucking metalhead. But being in the metal, man, like, you know, it's like one of those things that's polarizing. It's a, it's a, it's something that's almost like something that's like, you know, you hang your head in shame. Like, oh, yeah, I like metal, you know? Like, but I don't, you know, like, I hang my head in shame when I say I like metal because I think of fucking, you know, the worst metal bands on the planet that everybody in the outside of the metal world sits there and thinks that you are. Yeah. You know, they think that I have, like, bangs and a mullet and I wear, like, jean vests. Slipknot. Dude, yes, yeah, Slipknot. You know, like, yeah, it's like, I'm not that dude. There is intelligent, artistic metal out there. You know, there's Neurosis, there's Isis. There are these bands out there that have done stuff for guys, like, grew up, like, headbanging to and Justice for All. Right. And got old enough to be like, oh, yeah, I can't be a fucking metal fan anymore. They're like, there's metal out there for you. You know, so at this point, you know, like, we did this record. We knew that maybe we had something special, and now it's kind of been confirmed to a certain extent that we do have something special. So now it's just 
going to be touring and see where we go from here, man. You know, like we want to expand the, the, the band's audience is the whole thing, you know, like, so yeah. we'll be out on the road. I dig it, man. Well, the record is called The Old Believer from the Atlas Moth, man. It's, it's so awesome to catch up with you and, and do this professionally because, yeah, dude, we were just, just dumb fucking kids dude. hanging out in high school in a, in a summer class at Columbia, man. And it's really great to see all the success you've had with the, with the band and everything that's going on, man. So keep it up, really, and, and really, honestly, congrats, man. It's yeah. really cool to see. Thank you very much, man. You know, like I said, it's, uh, it is very uh, awesome to be able to see someone that I grew up with on very similar paths, you know, and here we are today. So fucking right on, man. Awesome. This has been the Chicago First Unlimited podcast. Thanks to Stavros Giannopoulos of The Atlas Moth for being on the show this week. You can find more Dynasty podcasts at dynastypodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, my name is Haima Black, Dynasty Descend.